Well, thank you for the opportunity to be here. It's a real privilege to be back at Montmorency. Now, I'm going to see if I've got this right before we get started. Butte. Let's get that part up. Great. <clears throat> well, it's really good uh, to be with you and to be able to share something from the Word of God. It's a privilege to be able to do that and uh, it's lovely, as I said, to be back here at Monty after some time of not being here. It's great to see Garth and Linda up the back, smiling and uh, looking good. And uh, I was sitting down there next to Linda and I saw them walking in holding hands. I couldn't uh, help it. I had to rush out there and um, say hello. It's great to see everyone. Uh, we're um, pretty privileged in our uh, home and our family. We have three children, they're grown up and they all have kids. And um, on Friday night we had Raylene and uh, Adrian, that's our daughter and son-in-law, to dinner. Lynn, Lynn lived a really lovely dinner and we enjoyed it. It was a fabulous time. And uh, you sit there and you go, this is, it doesn't get any better than this. This is life at its best. You know, doing life with the people that you love and having that opportunity. Then yesterday we had the opportunity to walk along the beach with our 15-year-old granddaughter. She asked us to do that. She texted us a couple of times in the last three or four weeks and said, you know, I need some wisdom and I can't think of anybody better to hang out with than your grandma. <laughs> no, she did say grandpa too. <laughs> and, uh, and we walked along at the beach and we had a good time and went back home. And then I spent another good hour just talking to Brad. That's our son, uh, his second kid now, 40-something. And uh, you go, it doesn't get any better than this. It doesn't get any better than this. That's the way you want to do life. But you know... The truth is, it's really easy to take it for granted. It's really easy to just accept that that's life and miss the whole deal. And so, I've come to you today and I think, you know, you're doing a series, it's fabulous, you know, good on you Montmorency for doing 40 Days in the Word. It's a fabulous series. Look, it's just really fantastic to get this kind of opportunity to hear God speaking to you through his word. You know, at the beginning of this year, <coughs> I, I really have been wanting for some years now to have a look at BSF, Bible Study Fellowship. It's been on my radar, it's been out there, I thought, gee, I'd love to do this stuff, but it's over at Mitcham, it's 40 minutes each way from Frankston, uh, that's an hour and a half in itself, you know, uh, to get there and back. But I really want to do it. So in February, I just launched out and said, here I go, I'm going to have a crack at it Monday nights and I'll see how I can rest, wangle the rest and we're retired. But to do that I have to talk to Lynn because um, you know, it's time for Lynn and I to not have together, different way of doing things and she was really kind, she let me do it. And then later on I talked to her about being a small group leader and she's really kind, she let me do it. And that had added on Saturday morning. So now Monday night we go over and Saturday morning we go over. I've got to tell you that it's absolutely exciting. It's exciting. But you know, it's so easy to take it for granted. You know, I asked the question today, what does the Bible mean to you? What does the Bible mean to you? We, we have this incredible book, God's Word, and what does it mean to us? You know, I, I remember becoming a Christian at the age of 18 and, and going and buying a little Bible in a newsagent that I later called the Devil's Bible because you could hardly read it, the print was so small. But it was absolutely fantastic. I remember reading it pre-Christian, pre-Christian, 
sitting in my bed in the uh, place where I was boarding, reading this Bible, tipsy. I'd had a little bit of alcohol, didn't drink much in my life, but I had a little bit tipsy a couple of times a week and I'd read this thing and I'm feeling guilty that I was doing the tipsy bit and loving it. And when I got converted, the Bible came alive. What a book, but so easy to take it for granted. And I want to tell you, getting to BSF has been one of the real highlights of this time of my life. You know, I love going along to the Mitcham Baptist Church. At seven o'clock we stand up. They're so good with their time. We stand up, we sing two really good hymns. By ten past seven, we're out in the small groups. We have 7.53, 7.55, finished small group, back in for a lecture. Lecture goes with Matt Leon, fabulous lecturer, great material, whole solid 45 minutes, quarter to nine, finished and you're on your way home. It's up to you. But what a great privilege and we learn about the Bible. So today I want you to be encouraged with this opportunity that you've got to really think through God's Word, to love the Word, learn the Word and live the Word. The Word of God is such an incredible thing that we have in our hands. So let me ask you, and this is a fair dinkum question, it's not rhetorical, it's for you to think through in yourself, how often do you really think you hear God speaking to you from his word? Is the Bible alive? Is it real? Is it vibrant? Does it mean anything to you? Or do you just read it and it's kind of like another book and you go, I don't get it. I don't know why people like this get excited about it. What is it? What happens? Have you ever felt that you just can't make any sense of the Bible? Well, these two Sundays are really critical because this will help you to understand how the Bible can become alive and real to you. The fact of the matter is that the Bible is a difficult book if you don't have illumination. So today we're going to be talking about illumination. This is really what the two weeks are about, illumination. So, what is illumination? Illumination is letting the Holy Spirit show me the meaning of God's word and how it applies to my life. Letting the Holy Spirit show me the meaning of God's word and how it applies to my life. Now let's back up. You've talked about inspiration. You've talked about how God has given us this book and seven reasons why we can trust God's word. And you've also talked about foundation, which is seven ways of understanding how this book applies to our lives. And now we're going to talk about illumination, illumination of the Word of God. At home, when I go to my office at night time, the first thing I do is I flick on the switch, the light switch, as I walk into the room, into my office. However, if I want to study and get into the computer and do a bit of difficult work, I need a stronger light. And so I put on the desk light, which is a strong halogen lamp and it makes everything extremely clear. The point is that the brighter the bulb, the clearer I see. The more light you have, the more you can see. And this is true of God's word. The more light we have, the more enlightened, the more illuminated your mind is, the more you're going to get from God's word. 
So we need illumination. What is illumination? Letting the Holy Spirit show me the meaning of God's word and how it applies to my life. That's illumination. Just really let that sink in. Write it down. Think about it. It's a fabulous concept that we need to grasp to really understand illumination. You see, before Jesus went back the second time, when he'd been and, and died and raised again, rose again, he talked to his disciples and he said, I'm going back to heaven and when I come back, next, when I've gone, next time when I've gone, I'm sending my spirit. And that is the Holy Spirit. And one of the activities of the Holy Spirit is to illuminate God's word in our hearts. And if we don't have that, then we don't have very much of what God wants us to have. Illumination is critical. It's just like when you buy those toys, and you must have done this at some time in your life as parents or grandparents. You buy a toy for the kids and on the box it's got batteries included or batteries not included. And if the batteries are not included, the toy is still a toy. But it doesn't work without the batteries. I remember Lynn and I were out shopping one time a number of years ago. We saw these really good Remote toys, or toys, actually not remote, toys that needed batteries. A little train and an aeroplane. And we bought them and took them home and we gave them to the grandkids and they just absolutely loved them. You know, you flick the switch and they run all over the place and when they're little tackers of one or two or three, they just get enamoured with it. But if there's no battery, it doesn't work. And God says, not only have I given you Revelation, but I've given you inspiration. That is the power to interpret and to understand, to see the things that you haven't seen before. And so I want now to show you some scriptures. And these are key scriptures. Actually, they are fabulous. John chapter 14, 15 and 16 are incredible when it comes to a really important understanding of the Holy Spirit. So let's look at some of these things <coughs> that we can understand the work of the Holy Spirit. In John 14:26 it says, Jesus said, the counsellor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I said. Is that incredible? Is that incredible? The Holy Spirit will remind us of everything that Jesus has said. We have the Holy Spirit in us. And he says he's going to remind you of all these things. That's the Bible. That's the words of Jesus. And that's what God wants in our lives. Then he says in 14.17, he is the Holy Spirit who leads in all truth. The Holy Spirit teaches us the truth that God wants us to know in our lives. Listen up, folks. God hasn't left us on our own. He's given us his word and he's given us the Holy Spirit. And then in John 16:15, he says, the Spirit will take from what is mine, that is the words of Jesus, and make it known to you. It is illumination of the revelation God's given us. It's God's Spirit saying to us, this is what it means. And he makes it known to us. Now, it gets more exciting. Watch this. in in Ephesians it says I ask the glorious Father and God of our Lord Jesus Christ to give you his spirit 
That is the Holy Spirit. The Spirit will make you wise and let you understand what it means to know God. Now notice the words in there, let you understand. The Holy Spirit will make you wise and let you understand what it means to know God. The batteries are included. The Holy Spirit's in our lives. The power's there. So what is it saying? It's saying that we've got a supernatural book. That It's not only God's word, it's the book that changes lives. This is the book that you read and you're speaking to the author. Just think about that. You can actually speak to the author. How often does that happen in your life? Where you get a book and you can talk to the author while you're reading it. You'll never read any other book like this. And that's what happened to me at conversion. I remember it so vividly. I thought, wow, fancy having this. I was 18 and not a nerd by any means amongst the people that I lived with, but I got my Bible, put it on my arm and walked to church on Sunday mornings and people were going, whoa, <laughs> where is he coming from? It meant so much because it's God's word. And he's given us the Holy Spirit and when we read it we can talk to him and this is illumination. So we can say to the Lord while we're reading his word, Lord, Holy Spirit, what does this mean? What does it mean to me? How can it make a difference in my life? And the Holy Spirit will whisper into our hearts and put thoughts and impressions and open our eyes to illuminate and enlighten. And the lights go on. Don't they? Don't they? Don't they? Wow, for some of us they do. So we need to ask ourselves, how does this work? In Ephesians 1, 18 and 19, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, illuminated, in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Now notice the eyes of your heart because God is speaking. This is God's word. What's it talking about? Well, when you were born physically, God gave you five senses. Hear, taste, touch and smell. And everything that you experience as a person today comes through those five senses. Without those five senses, you don't have experience. Every one of us need those when we're physically born. But when we're spiritually born, we get spiritual senses and God gives us a new understanding. You see, when we're changed, when we come to know Jesus, when we're born of God's spirit, when we're reborn into God's family, when we're saved, when we develop a relationship with Jesus Christ, when we're born again, whatever way you want to say it, when we know Jesus... God gives us a second set of senses and they're spiritual. They're spiritual ears to hear things that we've never heard before. I I wish that, and I'm hoping and praying today that that God's spirit will really speak to you at this point. This is really vivid and genuine. God gives us spiritual ears and you get spiritual eyes And you suddenly see things that you've never seen before. 
I don't know how to describe this. When I was not a Christian, I understood none of these things. The very moment Jesus came into my life, the light switch went on. And all of a sudden we feel and we sense things that we haven't felt and sensed before. Do you know you actually live in two worlds? Two worlds. You live in a spiritual world and you live in a physical world. And the spiritual world brought the physical world into being. So why then don't we get in touch with the first and origin and main thing that we need to be in touch with? Actually, the, physical, the spiritual world created the physical world and the spiritual world will outlast the physical world because one day all of these things will vanish. So this beautiful building will just fall apart. These lovely seats will crumble. This platform will disappear. All the things on it will disappear. But God and his angels, they will live forever. So actually the spiritual world is more real than the physical world. It's just that we can't see it unless we've been given spiritual eyes and we have spiritual ears to listen. That's illumination. So it says, I pray that your eyes of your heart, that your spiritual eyes will be enlightened. To enlighten means to shine on something and make it known and clear. It means when we read the Bible, all of a sudden the light bulb goes on and we're understanding things we haven't understood before. I read that verse lots of times but it didn't mean anything. All of a sudden, bingo. Now if I was to get you to put up your hand, I'm sure a lot of people here would go, understand what you're saying. You know, some of us may not and it's really important that we grasp this. When we do and God speaks to us, we go, that's exactly what I needed. Right here and now I need it. Like Graham said, did the reading this morning, changed what he was going to do this morning in communion because God speaks into our hearts in that way. That's illumination. It's possible though that some of you have never experienced this at all and therefore it's really important that you hear God's word today. It's possible that you've just been reading words and I speak to people and I hear people say this and I've been through periods in my life where the word of God has been harder to get to and hear from than other times. It happens. But you know, it doesn't need to happen. And when it does, it's on our side of the equation. It's possible that we just read words and we never really hear what God's saying. We don't hear the wow, that's what I needed, I hear what God's saying. Because when illumination takes off, we know the batteries are really working. But some of us sin frequently and maybe for some of us, it never happens at all. So over these next two Sundays, we'll be looking really carefully at illumination. Instead of just reading print, you'll be able to read the Bible and it will come alive. And you'll know because God will be speaking directly into your heart. Let me give you an example. In February 1968, I was standing on Spencer Street Station ready to catch the train to Sydney to go to Epping to two years of Bible study in Epping at the Emmaus Bible College. Doug Potter who later on was to become my father-in-law, he wasn't at that time, was standing there with me. He walked up to me, he gave me a little card and on the card it said this, it said, the Lord will guide you continually and that burnt into my heart right there and then. As he handed it to me and I read it, it went 
like that. And to this day, that verse is just right there all the time in my mind. The Lord will guide you continually. You know, in the NIV it says, the Lord will guide you always. Now, it doesn't always happen that God gives us lifetime verses like that. I remember being in the operation, having my heart, open heart operation and Alan Nunn had come from Frankston because he was doing the pastoring in our church at Frankston at the time and he came in and he left me with a little card. I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me. And if I was to ask you the reference, a lot of you could tell me. It's Isaiah 26.3. It burned into my heart so much so that when I came out of the operation it was one of the very first things on my mind. Perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me. The Holy Spirit does this work in our lives because when God illuminates our minds and we cooperate with the Holy Spirit, listen up, when we cooperate with the Holy Spirit, we see incredible things happen. You know, they're what kids call cool. They're cool. God does amazing things when we're switched in and listening to him. And today I want to show you just for this morning two benefits of illumination and then we'll do another two next week. And so illumination is critical. What happens when God opens my eyes? The first thing that happens when God opens my eyes is I see the solution to my problem. When God opens my eyes, I see the solution to my problem. Now we go to the story in Genesis 21 that Elaine read to us. It's a story of Sarah and Abraham and Hagar and their sons, Isaac and Ishmael. And you know the story, a lot of you as well as I do, if not better. God had promised Abraham that he would be the father of a great nation of Israel. And God gave him a son to be the heir of that great nation. And God promised that he would give him a son. And at 90 years of age, Abraham still hadn't had the son. And it seemed like a problem. And Sarah said, no, it's not a problem. It's a big problem. It's a big problem. At 90 years of age and no promise fulfilled. So Sarah comes up with plan B. And she says to Abraham, I'm too old to have a baby. God must have got it wrong. So here's my plan. Take my handmaiden, Hagar, and she'll be a surrogate mother and have a baby. And Abraham says, good idea. (laughs) He certainly wasn't living in in my house (laughs) or in my world. Good idea. So Hagar gets pregnant with Abraham's child. And this is not God's plan, right? It's Sarah's plan. But the little baby boy is born and it's a beautiful baby boy called Ishmael. And Ishmael grows up and Abraham holds him up to God as the promised child. And God says, no, this is not the promised child. This is not my plan. That's Sarah's plan. Ishmael is a good kid and I'll look after him and he'll become the leader and the head of the Arab nations. Later on a miracle occurred and Sarah gets pregnant and she has a little baby called Isaac and he becomes the father of the nation of Israel. Ishmael, of course, becomes the father of the Arabs, of the nation of the Arabs even today. Sarah starts thinking and is really bothered because, you see, 
Ishmael's a little bit older than Isaac and he's the firstborn son in that sense and she gets jealous and gets worried about it and so she decides to throw Hagar and Ishmael out of the house or the tent and into the desert. Would you mind into the desert? And we pick up the story in Genesis 21, 14 to 18. Early the next morning, Abraham took some food and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar. He set them on her shoulders and sent her off. Sent her off. He kicked her out of the tent into the desert. She went on her way and wandered in the desert. And when the water had run out of the skin, she put the boy under the bushes. Then she went off and sat down nearby, about a bow shot away, and she thought, I cannot watch this. And not only were they starving, they were dying of thirst. And she sat there nearby and began to sob, and it's a really tragic, sad scene of rejection. God heard the boy crying, and an angel came and called Hagar from heaven and said, What's the matter, Hagar? Don't be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up and take him by the hand for I will make a great nation of him and we know, as I said, that he became the leader of the Arabs or the head of the Arabs. Now we come back to the story in verse 19. Then, then, then God opened her eyes. What happens when God opens her eyes? And she saw a well So she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. Isn't that amazing? She saw a well that she hadn't seen before and we know that they survived because Ishmael became the father of the nations, Arab nations. Now here's the point. She had the solution in front of her the whole time. The well of water was there but she couldn't see it until God opened her eyes until he illuminated her heart and eyes, she couldn't see it. And he helped her to see it from a different perspective. Now folks, that's what God does through his word. And I want to tell you, in studying BSF and looking at that whole scene of Moses in Deuteronomy 33 where God says, my presence will be with you. And Moses says, If it's not, don't send us. Because how will they know the difference between us and and others if you're not with us, if your presence doesn't go with us? And I want to tell you, my eyes were opened and I heard God saying, my presence is with you everywhere you go. God says through his word, his presence is nearer than we can ever imagine. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. And he opens our eyes. And he opens our hearts. And here she sees something she hasn't seen before. And we as Christians read the Bible and we see things we haven't seen before. I want to tell you, I see people that love God with a passion changing before my very eyes as they read God's word and walk with him. I do. I live with people like that, that are changing as God opens their eyes and you see the peace of God shining on their face because they love God with that passion and they listen to God. Folks, this is the real thing. God speaks through his word. And so the first thing that we notice 
is that important that we see the solution to our problem. Now, I don't know the problem you're facing, but I know you are because that's the human level we live on and you can't see solutions and everything seems to be running into dead ends and, and you need illumination. You do, you need to hear from the Holy Spirit. You need to take the time. Hey, I'm not talking about becoming a monk. I'm not even talking about reading the Bible six hours a day. I'm simply saying you need to take time to hear from God and let him speak into your heart. You need to be enlightened by the Holy Spirit. You need your eyes to be open and your heart to be enlightened. You're never going to find a solution on your own. And and I want to tell you this, that's absolutely the case in my life. I can't find solutions on my own, but I find them in God. You, you try and you become disillusioned when you try on your own strength. You see things from your own perspective it never happens. But as soon as you turn to God and listen to him properly, things happen. When God opens your eyes, you literally see things you haven't seen before. So be encouraged to take this series to heart and let God speak to you. Now the second benefit I want to show you this morning <coughs> is I see the barrier to my progress. And this comes out of that incredible story in Numbers 22. And it's all about a man called Balaam. But you see, we, we, we want to achieve things in our lives, don't we? You know, there's all sorts of things that people like to get on with their life. I want to get a promotion. I, I want to, um, <coughs> to get on and start a business. I want to grow a family. I want to get out of debt. I've got dreams. And, and, we, and we go around trying to do all these things often on our own. And we find ourselves thinking, I'm doing my best and nothing's happening. And that's because we need to take a breath and look to God and hear what he's saying to us in our lives. We need illumination. And the story that explains that is this one in Numbers 22. Balaam was a prophet of God. That was, he was a man of God. I love this story, don't you? (laughs) It's an incredible story. It's funny, it's strange. He decided and agreed to help the bad guys. Can you get that? Balaam decided to help the bad guys. And God was angry with him. And God said, wait a minute, Balaam, you're my representative. What are you going out there helping these bad guys for? And it, despite God's intervention, he went ahead. That's what I don't understand about Balaam here. He went ahead. And so... He he went ahead and he couldn't see the angel that God sent and he doesn't know what's going on and everything that's really happening right now is invisible to him. Understand it's invisible. So we pick it up in Numbers 22 verse 22. But God was furious that Balaam was going so he sent an angel of the Lord to stand in the road on Blocky's way and Balaam's donkey suddenly saw the angel standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand and the donkey bolted off into the field but Balaam beat the donkey here he is, the poor donkey's being beaten because he's running away from something that Balaam can't see I think the the donkey was pretty smart (laughs) in fact so smart we'll find out it didn't talk but it's not the donkey's fault but he hits him anyway so the story continues Then the angel of the Lord stood at a place where the road narrowed, this is the second time now, between two vineyard walls and when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing there, it tried to squeeze and crushed Balaam's foot. Get ready, 
Every time we do what we want to do, we're going to crush our feet. We're going to hurt ourselves. Every time we do what we want to do, separate to what God's got for us, we're going to hurt ourselves. Get it clear, it's true. So Balaam beat the donkey again. Then the angel of the Lord moved further down the road and stood in a place that was so narrow that the donkey had to lay down. This time the donkey saw the angel and with and Balaam with a sword in it and lay down and then Balaam beat the donkey really badly. And here we are, we pick up the story in verse 31. Get ready. The Lord opened Balaam's eyes. Can you remember the last time the Lord opened your eyes? What was it like? What was it like? What did you see? He opened his eyes and he saw the angel. Wow. And what did he do? He bowed down and he worshipped God. When was the last time you heard God speak to you in a really powerful and clear way? Because God speaks through his word. As I said, this is a strange story. But here's the point. You've got plans for your life and they're not working. You, You go this way and you get blocked. And you go this way and you get blocked. And you go this way and you get blocked. And you try again and you still get blocked. And you're mad at everyone. You're mad at your wife. You're mad at your husband. You're mad at the donkey. You you take it out on the kids. You talk about the boss or the elders behind their back. You're mad at everybody because you can't see the real problem. You see, God is blocking your way. He's trying to get through to you. And God is saying, I love you too much to let you ruin your life. The progress has been blocked and then suddenly God opens your eyes and you see it all really clearly and it makes sense to you. I could give you current illustrations because they happen to me regularly in my life. I'm going to give you older ones now and I'll give you some current ones next week, but I want to give you one that, or two that really made sense to me. In November, December 1967, at the Yarra Junction Gospel Chapel, I heard Will Cavill speak. Now, Will Cavill, at one point in time, was in this church, and he came to speak at Yarra Junction. And he spoke on the passage out of Jeremiah 32:17. says, All our sovereign Lord, You have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. I was at a point where I had left my job in the post office, had gone to work with another boss and I was wanting to go to Bible college. I had an offer from the new boss after a few months of working with him to be a partner with him. I know him well. He's a friend of mine to this day and he did really well in his business in the years after that. But I still owed money on my little motor car. I was way back then. It just seems like another world altogether now. And I still didn't have permission for my parents to go to Bible college, even though I was 20 and wanted it, because I wanted to honour them. And I, had been, and I would be, for the next little while, two years without income. And everybody put that to me. And I hadn't even been interstate only once in my life at the time. And Will Cavill spoke on this passage. And I said, wow. And the Spirit said, wow. There's nothing too hard for God. 
And I can't tell you in detail for now because I haven't got the time, the things that happened after that. I saw the solution to my problem in that there was nothing too hard for God. It's incredible what God can do. In 1983, 1984, I was working in Australia Post. I'd been to Bible College, come back, settled into the church at Frankston and was working in Australia Post. I was working my way up to a postmaster, or I was a postmaster at that time, and I had promotions and enjoyed the work. And then I was approached by the church to work for them full time and for potentially Youth for Christ at the same time. And I talked to my employer, Ned Cole, was in there at that time, and Alan McHenry, and I talked to them and they said to me, look, you, you've got a promotion. Why would you do what you're going to do? You're going to need cash flow. That's what you're going to need. And that really got to my head, cash flow. You're going to need money to live on. I, I know I am and I've got three kids. I understand. And then one Sunday, I went to church and the church had put it to us and the pressure was getting on and the treasurer said, I'm going to tell the church today that we're sending you into the work and they need to support you. And I said to the treasurer, don't do that. I haven't made up my mind. He said, too late. We've been talking about it for too long. The day has come. The moment's come. We're going to tell the church. And tell the church. I went back to my car. I was really confused, really confused. Got out my Bible and read it, a proverb. I can't even give you the proverb, but I know the intent of it really clearly because it was so penetrating. And it said... Today you will hear a secret that you're to tell no man. Words of that effect in the proverb. And I said, well, what does that mean? You know, like, that's how I felt. And I said, well, anyway, I've got to go in there because Lynn's in there and kids are in there and church is in there. So I went in there and I sat down and he gave the announcement. Wow. You know, I have that verse and I'm going, it must mean something. It must mean something. I don't know what it means. We got a phone call at home after church and a lady came around and she sat with us and she said we will be providing you with $8,000 a year for the next 20 years if it's necessary if it's necessary why you could have blown me away and she said this is between you and us because there's a lot of things riding on it and I tell you God speaks through his word And then I saw the barriers that were in front of me and I realised what God was doing. And then the Lord opened his eyes and he saw the angel standing there. And when God opened your eyes, everything works the way God wants it to work. God is in control and he uses his word. And I want to tell you, if you don't read it, you miss out on so much. I've got to tell you this that this is the most exciting time in my life for the Word of God right now. Being able to get to BSF on Monday nights and rock up again on Saturday mornings and be amongst 45 men yesterday morning together, leaders, just sharing the Word of God. It blows you away. It blows you away. Excuse the expression, you know what I mean. It's magic. It's magic. It's magic. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you do illuminate our hearts, that you sent the Holy Spirit to show us the meaning of your word and how it applies to our lives. Father, continue to speak to us. Help us to be hungry. Help us to be thirsty. Help us to be diligent and urgent and take your word seriously. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.